This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. I am very honored today to have my longtime internet friend, I guess I can call you that, Jamie, because I've watched you, followed you from afar. She's in studio today and just someone who has deeply impacted my life, especially when it comes to foster care. Jamie, I don't exactly know where I first connected with you. I think once we started fostering, multiple people wrote in, they're like, you have to follow this Foster the Family Instagram account. And so I started checking it out as more and more people were suggesting it. And your words and what you were sharing just became deeply convicting to me. I started in on the foster care journey, you know, with a passion to honor the Lord and walk out his commands to, you know, James one twenty seven, um, care for the fatherless and widows. But I know that there was a lot of it that was for me thinking of, you know, it's kind of like my job to come in and rescue mm. children from really difficult situations. And as I listened to what you were sharing on Instagram and read your words in your post, I just started to realize that foster care isn't about rescuing mm. children. It's really about reconciling families and it's about us walking with the family. Like right. I love how you talk about foster the family, how it's the whole family when there's that opportunity for us to walk with the biological family. And so I just, it has shaped so much of what I, how I approach 
walking with birth parents mm-hmm. and how I just approach even the mindset of why we're fostering. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so grateful. And I'm excited for you to be here today. You have a brand new book I that do. is coming out called Foster the Family that I've gotten to read. We'll talk about that some of the podcast. But before we get started, I'd love for you to just take a minute to introduce yourself to my audience. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I love you and have learned so much from you. So to hear those words are just so deeply encouraging. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So I am first and foremost, a wife, mother. I am the mom to two biological children, two children adopted through foster care and one to two kids at all times. But right now we have one foster baby. I am the executive director and founder of Foster the Family, which is a nonprofit that serves foster families. And we do that through immediate emergency support. And then we do it through long-term holistic care, basically meaning we are seeking to be a community to foster parents to provide education and information and just a community to them. So that's my, my quick bio. And you're also on Instagram. I am on Instagram. Yeah, I love to share about our family and foster care in a real and raw way. I didn't have anyone when I became a foster parent. There was no one for me to watch and learn from. I didn't have friends who were in it. And I really just had a conviction of opening our lives so that others had that, so that others could could see what it really is. And so it's really a gift to do that. I love that. And I really appreciate that you don't sugarcoat things. Mm. Like you share the beautiful and the brutal. Sure. And you've had a lot of that in yeah. the last two years that I've been following you. <laughs> that's true. We have a lot of it every day. And that's the thing. There is such joy. Um, and I think, I hope that I share in a way that reflects that because that is what foster care is. Foster care is always the both and. It is always both beautiful and a joy and this wonderful privilege. And it's also broken and there's a loss on every side of it. And so if we highlight one or the other, then we're not being faithful to the kids that we care for and their stories. And I think it's important that we emphasize both of those and hold it all in tension. Being a foster parent, I think, means being really comfortable with that tension or learning to become comfortable with it. So how long have you been fostering for? We are coming up on eight years. And how many children have come to your home in that time frame? We've had 27 children through foster care and our two biological kids. So we're, we're getting close to 30 kids. Wow. And back when you were first starting your foster care journey, has, do you feel like you have had a shift in your viewpoint of what foster care is? Yeah. Abs- everything you said. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Where you are saying you were and came to, I had that same transformation. Um, and it was really only the grace of God because I came in with that same perspective of, I can save these kids and I'm going to do this good work. And these kids are better off with me. They'll finally learn what it's like to be loved. They'll finally have a family that cares about them. Completely ignoring the fact that these kids do come from families who love them. Mm -hmm. They just come from families who haven't had 
the resources, the support, all of the grace that has covered my life. Um, and so it's been a huge shift for me and something that God did in my heart sort of miraculously. And, and I think that's why I feel faith feel like it's really important to share our lives and our journey because I want others to catch vision for the joy of foster care, what it actually can be, this redemptive, we're looking to bring families back together in healing, that as a foster parent, watching that and realizing like, oh, that's not how I've been viewing this. Sadly, I didn't have anyone to watch. And God was just faithful to speak it to my heart, to use his word to speak it to my heart. And that's really a driving force behind why I share. It's a driving force behind the book because I stumbled and struggled and fell and still do. <laughs> but I'm grateful that God pulled me from that that savior mentality mm-hmm. that I came in with. I think that there are so many people out there who they hear about the need because there's a real great need yeah. in many states. I know our state, it's DCS offices are overflowing. Mm-hmm. The workers are completely swamped right now. There's a huge need for the church to step in yeah. and really be the hands and feet of Jesus. But I think there's a lot of fear. Mm. And I hear from many people that are like, well, we're interested in foster care, but we're afraid of how it will affect yeah. our family. Mm-hmm. Did, have you ever had those feelings? Definitely. And I think especially my husband, I'm more driven by passion and mm-hmm. he's more driven by information and he's just very pragmatic. So it was, how are we going to protect our kids? How are we going to prioritize our kids? Really important questions, not questions that should be overlooked and flown past. But I think the conclusion that he came to is that one of the reasons that we jumped into foster care was for our kids. We wanted them to experience the joy of living for others, of opening your heart and home to children who need it, of walking with vulnerable adults even. They have come to know people and see their preciousness who are stuck in addiction, who have experienced trauma. They don't have the benefit of ignorance, (laughs) the benefit of, oh, those people over there. Those people have come into our home and our lives and they have faces and stories. And and I'm grateful for the gifts that foster care has given my kids that I don't know what else could have given that Mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. It's part of what God is using to make them who he has them to be. And there are a lot of people who look to foster parents and think, you must have some special Mm. gifting. You must be just extra patient or you must be almost like a saint to be able to do this. And how do you respond when someone's like, I can never do this, but you know, that's amazing what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, come in my home and and you will be unimpressed in about a moment. (laughs) I like to say that I am a subpar mom running on grace. There is no part of me. No one would identify me as a super mom in real life. I am naturally not patient. I am naturally disorganized. There's no part of me that is good at this Mm -hmm. normally. And yet God has given us special grace Mm -hmm. 
to do this. And that's what I believe about God is that what He calls you to, He gives you the grace for. So I trust that He fills in the gaps. I trust that He uses my weaknesses to teach my children about my need for forgiveness, about my need for Jesus. And so even the parts of me that are lacking are part of His plan for them. There's, We are a very ordinary family, very ordinary. And I don't believe that everyone is meant to be a foster parent. I don't believe that, you know, loving kids and living for Jesus means that you open your home. But I do believe that it means that in some way or another, we are choosing to step into vulnerable families, children, loving the least and the lost and, and, and stepping into these places that we saw Jesus step into. I mean, Jesus went into these places and sought out those that others ignored, the mm. ones that, and I, I think, you know, there are modern day, we, there's the tax collectors in the Bible and the prostitutes and, and these people who were othered by those around Jesus. And those were the people that Jesus went to. He didn't just accept them. He befriended them mm-hmm. and stepped into their stories willingly. And so it's following Jesus into that is, is part of being his follower. So there's probably a lot of people listening who they, they're hearing your passion and they're saying, I want that. Like, I want mm. for our family to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We don't even know how to get started, what mm. that looks like. Like, is it foster care? Is it serving widows? Like, what does this look like? How do you even know where to take that first step? Right. I think proximity is a huge piece. Part of the reason that so many of us are able to close our hearts to those in need is because we're not close to them physically. And so we're able to have distance in our hearts because we have distance in our lives. So yeah, they are invisible to us. They don't have a voice. They don't have cameras on them and we don't hear their stories, but we can get close to those who Jesus loves, who aren't close to us in geographically. So I always say, befriend a foster parent befriend an adoptive parent, look to ways where you can get closer to those in your community or right outside of your community who have needs, who are needing resources, who you can be generous to, who you can befriend. The closer we get to people in proximity, the more God uses that to open our hearts and shape the way that we view them. I know that that was definitely the case for us because when we first even the thought of fostering was never even on our radar until we met some friends who then they started pursuing foster care. And then they started telling us these stories of the messages that they were getting, you know, from DCS calling them and telling, Mm. you know, that there was such a need and we had no idea. We're thinking like in our backyard, there are children who are sleeping in the DCS office because there is not a home for them to go to. Like that stirs something in your heart. But until we knew the need, we, you know, had no realization that there was anything that we could do. So I think I love that like proximity and just walking with them and hearing what they were experiencing. And it just helped open up our eyes. So for people who are saying, 
I know that I'm not called mm. to foster, but I want to be involved in some way to serve either foster families or to help children or families who, um, children who are in foster care or biological families whose children are in foster care. What can we practically do? Where do we start? If that's our heart, but we are like, you know, I know I hear from a lot of people that are like, I don't even know any foster families. Sure. Yeah. So one thing is I think one of the most powerful pieces that the church can play is by actually keeping families out of foster care. So, so many families need support or groceries or babysitting. And so we kind of create these these two vulnerable populations. We have the unborn, then we have the orphaned foster child. And sometimes we skip over that middle piece. So we see them before they're born as a a single mom or a vulnerable family, and then after the fact. And yet there's this space in between where we can love people and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so looking for ways to serve families who in your community, think of the kids who wear the same clothes to school every day. Think of the single mom who you might be avoiding because at soccer practice, she's struggling. And the people who are easy to walk past are often the ones who need the support before it comes to this space. So I think that that's part of it is don't label it just as kids in foster care, kids who need a forever family, but labeling it as coming alongside of families to begin with. The other thing is that in most communities, there are churches or organizations that are doing the work. And I mean, Google is your best friend. <laughs> like, there is so much happening to support vulnerable families, to support foster families, um, and really just searching for it. I didn't think there was anything in my community, and I found opportunities to mentor former foster youth youth who were living independently. I didn't know that even existed, but I was searching. I just felt like I know there are people around me who who need something. And I have so much that God has given me that I want to re-gift. And so searching, asking, there are people who need your help. And it's it's too easy for us to walk past them. And so I believe that this is a prayer that God wants to answer, (laughs) that when we come to Him and say, God, open my eyes to the people around me who need you, who need help, that is a prayer that is after His own heart. And I believe that He will lead you. And I'm sure you've experienced this as you start stepping into intentional proximity with people who maybe are on the fringes or who are othered. Mm -hmm. God does something to change your heart. Mm -hmm. And you start to experience this compassion Mm. and understanding that you haven't had before. It's really easy to criticize when there's not a face and a name and a story involved in it. And I know as I've started to walk with birth moms and you hear what they have experienced, what they're walking through, what they've gone through, the trauma in their childhood, you think, if I were in their shoes, I 
I mean, I think I would just be in much, much worse shape. Right, right. We can't even imagine what it's like to not have support around us and, and just how so many of them are just very alone. And so for us to walk alongside, I feel like God uses it to change my heart. And so then it's not this almost like I'm coming to help them, mm-hmm. but they really impact me mm-hmm. and I learn so much mm-hmm. from them. Yeah, I think a big part of it is how we jump in. Do we jump in primarily as someone who has received grace, someone who's been saved, someone who's been rescued? When we are so aware of who we are, of all that God has given us, and I like to say, you know, you and I both had similar charmed childhoods Mm -hmm. of Christian families and no, no abuse, all just God's kindness to us. But there are many people who haven't had that same story, who have still had the grace to overcome that, Mm -hmm. who have been given strength and resilience to overcome that. And even that is a picture of God's grace. So no matter what your story, if you have anything to offer someone else, it is God's grace to you. And so when we started that place where we are overwhelmed by His grace to us, then it changes the way we see others. We look for the story. We look for the suffering. We look for the brokenness that Jesus came to heal, and we see people differently. As a foster parent, I know that you know we talked about the beautiful and the brutal. Could you talk about just some of the really hard things that you've walked through? Mm. I think there is the daily hard of not being in control of your life and family in the way that many people are allowed to believe they are, Mm -hmm. (laughs) meaning none of us are in control. And a lot of us walk through like with this willful ignorance of I am in control and, Mm -hmm. and I'm the one who makes the decisions for my children and guides our family's future. We are not allowed as foster parents to hold on to that illusion anymore. And so having to radically trust God that there are people in your home that you would not choose to enter your home and tell you what to do with your family, (laughs) that you are entering a system that is by nature broken because it was born in brokenness. It's led by people who are broken. And there is a surrender that comes of okay, God, I have to open my hands here. And so there is this emotional roller coaster that we are tempted as foster parents to ride all day, every day. So I would say that that's one piece. It's just the normal every day. But there's also been significant loss. You've experienced loss. My family has experienced loss. And it's real. It is, you know, anyone who has children should be able to imagine the loss of losing one of your children. Even if it's something that you prayed for, that you worked towards, that you had vision for, there it doesn't take away the pain. Mm-hmm. So we we have said goodbye. You know, we've welcomed 27 children and we've adopted two, <laughs> which means 25 times mm-hmm. of saying goodbye. And sometimes it was short and we knew it was going to happen. Sometimes maybe we felt a little bit of relief when it Mm -hmm. did happen, which is a true part of being a foster parent. And other times we felt absolutely destroyed in grief. 
And that is a real piece of being a foster parent. And it's uh, something that no one can really prepare you for, something that those around you can't truly understand, um, but something that I believe God gives supernatural grace for. That doesn't mean he takes away the pain doesn't mean that he protects your heart from feeling things to begin with. It means that something that you didn't think you would be able to get through, you realize six months later, God carried me through that. And and that has been our story of this is unimaginable, but God did it. And I think that applies to so many different situations, you know, that we can look ahead and sometimes if we knew what the future was going to hold, we would say, there's yeah. no way yeah. I can get through that. And yet God is so faithful. Right. If you could go back eight plus years as a brand new foster parent and talk to that woman, what would you say to her? Hmm. Well, not to be too sales pitchy here, but that's why I wrote this book. <laughs> you know, the book is everything that I wish someone had written out for me eight years ago. It was things that I I knew that God had a way for me to do this foster parenting thing for His glory. Mm-hmm. And I believe that God's Word is living and active and that it was speaking to this journey. And yet, there's no foster care in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so, it took these daily, oh God, show me, transform my heart, really form my heart to Your Word. And he began to show me what it looks like to apply scripture about how God, you know, guides the king's heart to, oh, that is a great parallel for this judge that I have to entrust this child to. And all of these different parables and commands and promises and principles in scripture that speak very clearly to foster care, but that it took the fighting for in his word. And so it would be believe that God is speaking to this, believe that God has direction and that he will guide and lead you. Last night, I got to hear you speak at a local event and you were talking about how oftentimes we approach foster care, viewing it one way that's not really from a gospel-centered lens. Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit of that? Like what is foster care from a gospel-centered perspective? Yeah, I think that we can view foster care in two ways. One is trying to be wise and apply practical wisdom and research and all of that, and that's beautiful and important. The other is to have a thoroughly gospel-centered perspective of it, which doesn't just mean, sometimes we say gospel perspective, meaning like, the Bible tells us what to do, but the gospel is the story of Jesus coming to make new what was old, to restore what was broken, to forgive sin. And so a gospel-centered view of foster care isn't just love people like Jesus would love them. It is 
realize that this is part of God restoring the world, of God bringing newness and wholeness through what Jesus did. When Jesus came and He died, He broke the power of sin, and He began what God is going to complete, which is making this all new, bringing it all to what it was meant to be. So when we're playing a part of families coming back together, that's not just about, oh, this mom deserves to know her baby. That is, oh, this is God's heart for newness. This is God's heart for healing. And we get to be a part of that. And it is, I mean, it's eternal. It is huge. And it brings light to all the little things we do. So much is not glamorous. Mm -hmm. So much of foster parenting is just normal life. But when you have this big picture view of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, then foster care, we see that it's all worth it. I love how in your book, I got to read a pre-release copy and it's just really shifts from us-centered to Mm. Jesus-centered, you know, in that it's all about Him. Mm. Everything that we do, like you were just saying, it's for His kingdom. It's being His hands and feet. And it's it's not about, you know, how it turns out. But it's about us being faithful. And so if you are a foster parent, I just cannot strongly recommend this book enough. I think it will just really, really encourage you. Jamie is just honest and real. The other thing I love is the chapters are short. So, so you know, we don't have a lot of time as foster parents. So you can pick up the book and just read a little bit every single day and just be encouraged. You talk about dealing with caseworkers and how to um, walk with your biological children and you know what to do when it's really hard and things don't turn out like you expect and just so many practical things with foster care, but also then the heart behind foster care from a gospel-centered lens. And so I just, I really, really appreciate it. And I also was thinking it'd be a great book for anyone who they know someone who is fostering and they want to understand better how to encourage them and to walk with them. Or maybe you're considering foster care or you think you might want to consider it and you just aren't sure. Foster the Family, again, would be a great book to pick up or to buy to give to someone you know who is fostering. As we wrap this up, I just want you to speak to the person who is listening. I know that you've walked through some really painful, difficult loss in the last two years. When you were writing this book, you didn't know how the story was going to end. And it didn't end how you envisioned with your little girl. And I think there are a lot of people listening who they've had some really difficult things in their life recently. They have had things not turn out like they've hoped, dreamed, envisioned, wanted, desired. What do you say to that person who feels like, is God still good even when this feels so hard? Yeah. I think that that is an important question to wrestle through, not to ignore, not to put a Band-Aid on. Um, And I think that God speaks to it in beautiful ways in His Word that has built my faith. We have the great gift of seeing the Bible is a story where we get to see things that the people who are living through it 
didn't see. And we see story after story of everything from infertility to loneliness to being taken from family and all of these hard things where we see what God was accomplishing all along. I I love the story of Joseph, just brokenness and and loss and loneliness and betrayal. And then at the end of his story, he looks at his brothers who hurt him, who wanted to murder him, who sold him into slavery. And he says to them, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. And that is the God that we serve. He is the God who takes everything and makes it a part of his good plan. He intends good for us, even in the hard, even in the broken. And nothing points to that better than Jesus's death. The worst thing that ever happened, it was part of God's good plan. The greatest evil that ever happened, it was a part of God's good plan to do great good for us. So when we believe that God takes our stories and shapes them into something that if we're His children, is our, it's ultimately for our good and for everything as a part of His big story, His big good plan, I think that we can find peace and joy that when we don't see it, we can fix our eyes on the unseen and know that God is accomplishing something good. Such a good word. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you so much for sharing. And for everyone listening, go follow Jamie on Instagram if you're not already. It's um, Foster the Family blog and go get a copy of her book, Foster the Family. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.